0: The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is a prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. At the door. Father, it's unto you we've gathered today. It's unto you shall the gathering of your people be. Lord, we ask that you breathe upon us afresh. Upon everyone in this space, upon everyone joining us over the internet, do in our lives that which eyes have not seen, that which ears have not heard, that which has not even begun to enter into the hearts of men. And let the name of Jesus and Jesus alone be glorified. Lord, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us, your church. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise the name of the Lord. Today we are in part three of our um, series. Go forward. Go forward. In part one, we looked at the people that moved forward in scriptures. We looked at a couple of examples. We looked at the example of Esther, of Ruth, of Anna, of Samuel, of Isaac, and of David. And we we saw how they moved forward in, in God. In part two last week, we looked at the nation of Israel, how they returned from exile, and what God did for them as a nation, and how God moved them forward and The first thing they did was to build the temple and we explained the importance of of, of that, and we also saw that they taught the word of God the, the, the priest, the leading priest Ezra, taught the people the word of God, and we explained that that means that they had to renew their identity in God. And many times, God wants us to relate to him as sons, but because of our experiences, we relate to God as orphans. So we saw two types of mentality. We saw this the son mentality, and we saw the orphan mentality, and we, we saw how to move away from the orphan mentality to actually being Um, A son. And we rounded up that God was saying to the children of Israel and to us that he's not only saying to us to go forward on empty promises, he actually gave his word and said the glory of this latter house shall surpass that of the former. And that's why we're going to take it off um, today. Agai chapter 2, from verse 1 to 9. It says, Then on October 17 of that same year, the Lord sent another message through prophet Agai Say this to Zerubbabel, son of Shittiel, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnants of God's people that are in the land. Does anyone remember this house? this temple in its former splendor, how in comparison does it look to you now? So that explains why the elders were weeping, because compared to what it was, it was in shambles. He says, it must seem like nothing at all. But now, the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong. Be strong. You can put your name there. Be strong. All you people still left in the land and now get to work for I am with you. That's a good place to say amen. Amen. I'm with you, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. My spirit remains amongst you just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. So do not be afraid, for this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says in just a little while. I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory says the Lord of Heaven's armies. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glories, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. The future glory of your life will be greater than the past glories. In the mighty name of Jesus you must have seen good days in the past. You must have experienced great wealth in the past. You must have experienced great health in the past. But thus says the Lord, the future of your life shall be greater than the past. In the name of Jesus. Do you receive that this morning? And this place, in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. You know, like we were saying last week, when God speaks and he says, I have spoken, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's like you can take it to the bank. You can bank on it. You can go to sleep. My word will come to pass. I don't know what you are going through, what is squeezing you or, or, or right now, this morning. The word of God to you today is the future of your destiny is greater than the past. And God is is, is saying I'm not just saying this just to make you feel good. I have spoken. In other words, take it to the bank. As a person, I I love asking questions. I'm I'm a very curious individual. I I love asking questions. And, and And I like people that ask questions. I'm not talking about people that ask foolish questions. You know, some people, they think they know. And out of their arrogance, they are asking questions, not because they want to learn, just because they want to show you that they know what they are saying. You know, Jesus had a lot of those kind of people. They come to him, they say, Oh, in, in the heavens, I mean, when we get to heaven, uh, if a man has a wife and he's, um, he's, he died, and his brother marries the wife, and the brother dies, and the younger one are seven of them. When they will get to eternity, who will be the husband? Jesus says that your question reveals your foolishness. Because you don't even know that in heaven there is no male, no female, we are all spirits. There will be no marrying or giving in marriage. So, asking questions when you have a sincere heart is so powerful. It's so powerful. Some guy, um, former Nobel Prize winner, um, says this. He says, You can tell whether a man is clever by the answers he gives. But you can tell whether a man is wise by the questions he asks. By the questions he asks. And today we are going to be looking at five questions. In, while we move forward, five questions we have to wrestle with. We have to wrestle with five questions. And I use the word wrestle, you know, if you've been with us for a while, you know, you must have heard me use that word wrestle with the questions and wrestle with the questions. Why? Because we need to give enough time. You know, the problem is that we don't spend enough time on, on questions. And that's why we don't get answers. We need to wrestle with questions. We need to stay before God and wrestle with questions. And God will give us answers. God asks questions. Jesus asks questions. Jesus answers questions. Jesus, when Jesus asks questions, when God asks questions, God is not asking questions so that he can gain information. You know, when we ask questions, we ask questions so that we can gain information. When God asks questions, God doesn't ask questions so he can gain information. So, God doesn't ask questions to get an answer. God asks questions to show the answer. God doesn't ask questions. So when God said to Adam and Eve, where are you, Adam? God was not asking where Adam was because he couldn't find Adam. God wanted to show Adam he was naked. When God asked Jacob, what is your name? God wasn't in doubt. Before Jacob was formed in his mother's womb, God knew him. So, he wasn't asking Jacob so that he can know his name. He was asking Jacob so he can show him who he was, a supplanter. So, when God asks you a question, or when he asks us a question, or when he says, when he says to me, um, I mean, what is today? I'm scared, you know, because he's, I know he's not asking what is today because he doesn't have a calendar. I'm asking, He's asking what is today. I don't know what he's up to. <laughs> What is today? I'm like, today, is Sunday. God asks questions to reveal. To reveal. And we, there are questions we need to wrestle with. And as we wrestle with these questions, we get illumination. We need to spend enough time. As we go through these questions, there are five of them. We need to stay with these questions. Some of these questions may appear simple to you. They are not simplistic. You need to stay with those questions and wrestle those questions down until you get clear answers. Albert Einstein, you know, the um, famous scientist who was a Christian ahead says this, that it's not that I am so smart. It says, but I stay with questions much longer. He says that he, has, he makes discoveries because he stays with questions much longer. We have to learn to stay with questions much longer. So, I'm going to give you five questions to wrestle with as you move forward. As you resolve these questions, your life moves forward. It propels you forward. The first question you need to wrestle with are you ready? Is this Who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to forgive? You need to ask yourself this question. What well, do I need to forgive? You see, unforgiveness, I was explaining in the first worship experience yesterday, unforgiveness is like if you have an engine that is working, then you now put gravel in the engine chamber. You know what will happen? Eventually the engine will, will knock. Why? Because of unforgiveness cranks up the engine. And inhibits the motions. That is how unforgiveness is to our destinies. So you need to ask, who do I need to forgive? There are people that are living with each other. In fact, one of the deepest pains can be caused by the closest people to us. I mean, obviously. The deepest pains that we can ever feel can be caused by the closest people to us. Why? Because the closest people to us are those we are most vulnerable to. You know, David was saying... It is you, not Jeremiah. Jeremiah was saying, it is you, my friend. We went to the house of the Lord together. He says, they said to me, which wounds are there in your hands? He says, there are wounds that are caused by my friends. The deepest wounds to wrestle with or to grapple with are the wounds that are caused by the closest people to us. So we have people that are married for 25 years, but they are arch enemies. Because, they are still living together, but because in 1925, you said this about my father. (laughs) Then, on the 2nd of April, 1932, at 2 p.m., you said this about my mother. (laughs) You know, and people hold on to offenses. What you don't realize is that the way the spiritual works. Unforgiveness is a showstopper. Unforgiveness is a showstopper. You need to forgive for your own sake. In fact, many times when you hear people narrate why they don't forgive, you get the sense that we feel that when we forgive, we are actually doing the person that we are forgiving a favor. So I hear things like, Pastor, you, you, you don't understand. This person did this, and this does, and this this. How do you expect me to forgive him or forgive her? Now, and, and you, because we think that when we forgive someone, we are what? Doing the person a favor. You need to forgive for your own sake. Forgive for your own sake. Years ago, I mean, my, my friends were... We're praying for a lady. I've shared this um, story before. And I joined them. The lady had uh, all these bumps, shingles all around from her head to her toe. I mean, they were just lumps all over. And for a lady, that can be a major, major, major issue. And my friends were praying. And I joined them because we wanted to see the power of God heal, heal her. And as we were praying and praying and praying, it was getting heated and heated and heated and heated. And I heard God say to me, Tell her to forgive her father. And I stopped the prayer meeting. I said, guys, wait, 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 wait. God, I think God is saying that, you know, so I called her. I tried to use, you know, I mean, wisdom, you know, because (laughs) never know. But by the time I was we were done, as soon as I mentioned her father, it was like a demon took over. Literally, her countenance changed. She was like, eh hey, hey. So this is why God is punishing her. She says, for, my, for our information, she's ready to die. If this is how God wants to punish her, that the man did this, and she was listing all the horrible things her father did. Now, question. Did the man do all that? Yes. Was he right? No. But it is the person that is carrying the unforgiveness that is carrying the demonic attacks. The man is probably enjoying his life in his village. Who is carrying the trouble? She. So as, as long as you hold on to unforgiveness, you are holding yourself down. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, Jesus made it very vivid to us. Matthew 6:12, it says, And forgive us our sins as we forgive, as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And verse 14 he explained, if you do not forgive those who sins against you, your heavenly father will not forgive you. And if you forgive those that have sinned against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. So, I mean, this is even tied to answered prayers. So when I forgive, the people that have hurt hurt me the deepest, what, what what happens to me? I become healed and my father can hear me. When my father can hear me clearly, whose advantage is is it? It's mine. When I don't forgive, I'm robbing myself. In fact, a wise person once said that forgiveness is setting a prisoner free only to discover that the prisoner was yourself. When you forgive, you are setting the prisoner free, but only to discover that the prisoner is yourself. When you say, oh, pastor, I can never forgive this person, what you are saying is that you are saying, I can never be free. That's what you are saying. But you are going to be free in the name of Jesus. So the first question you need to wrestle with is what? Who do I need? to forgive. The second question you need to wrestle with is this. Is there someone I need to love from a distance? Is there someone I need to love from a distance. Now, forgiveness is one thing, trust is another. To confuse the two is suicidal. Forgiveness is one thing, trust is another. In fact, I say, love everyone, but trust a few. Love everyone. Trust how many? Trust a few. There are some people that they, they always drag you back. They always put negative energy into you. You need to identify such people and love them from a distance. You know? <laughs> I tweeted that, I think, day before yesterday or yesterday or whatever. Then, Some bishop of Facebook said to me, Oh, Femi, this is very, uh, why did you put it? This is very mind boggling, something like that. (laughs) You know, how can you do this? How can you, you know, love everyone, trust a few? All you need is for me to show you my back. I have scars. I have scars. It is folly to think you can trust everybody. You cannot. If you do, that is the fastest way to shorten your lifespan. But you can love everybody. So, love everyone. Trust how many? Trust a few. Even Jesus didn't trust everybody, He did not. He had just finished the miracle. Everybody was struggling and, and loving him and, you know, and all that and all that. In John 2:24, John 2, 24, the Bible says in John 2, 24, but Jesus didn't trust them. Why didn't he trust them? Because he knew all about people. Because he knew the heart of, of, of men. Jesus did not trust them. Because he knew that the same people that are shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. The same people in less than 24 hours were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. The same people. They didn't take him to another country. The same people. So, Jesus. If Jesus didn't, didn't trust everybody, Why should you? Why should you? Whose follower are you? Jesus. In fact, you need to learn the art of discerning people. It will help you. It's an an art. That is, you grow in it. You develop it. You need to learn the art of discerning people. And you need to be um, uh, dispassionate about it. If you are sentimental, it can wreck you. You need to be dispassionate. Oh, we went to the same school together 20 years ago. So what? Oh, we were bunkmates in secondary school. So what? What is God saying about that person? What is God saying? In fact, if you check the Bible, the Old Testament, New Testament, the greatest danger to God's people has always been the influence of the people around them. The greatest danger to God's people has always been the influence of the people around them. Oh, it's okay. Oh, you don't have to pray too much. Oh, you are sacrificing too much for God. Are you the one that killed Jesus? Oh, just slow down. And let's just go through this life. When the living of the Pharisees gets into you, like Jesus says, Be careful of the living of the Pharisees. There are certain associations you need to deal with from arm's length, otherwise, it will wreck your destiny. I'm telling you, I mean, your destiny will not be right in Jesus' name. You know what God has put in your heart. In fact, the nation of Israel, the stories we were dealing with last week, the reason they were in captivity was simple. They did not, you know, there was the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom. The, the Northern Kingdom was taken over by the Assyrians. And they intermarried. The Southern Kingdom should have learned from the Northern Kingdom. They did not. They did the same thing with the Canaanites. The Nebuchadnezzar came... Took them exile, and by the time God brought them back, that's where this—I mean—hatred, quote unquote, between the the pure Jews, those that came back from exile, and the ones they met in in Israel, the, the Samaritans, those that are mixed breed. Why? Because they remind them of their backsliding state every time you allow the the world to contaminate your consecration to God, you are asking for trouble. (laughs) Praise the name of the Lord. You're asking for trouble. In fact, if you see a huge ship, that ship can go from one continent to another continent without sinking as long as the water, the ocean, stays outside of the ship. The moment the water begins to enter the ship, what happens to the ship? The ship will sink. You are in the world. You are not of the world. The the, the reason a lot of people are struggling with their work with God is simple. You cannot be swallowing the salty water and still expect to be afloat. It doesn't mix. So the the second question is what? What? Is there someone I need to love from a distance? So question number one, who do I need to forgive? Question number two, question number three, what story am I telling with my life? What story am I telling with my life, whether you like it or not, your life is telling a story. Everyone's life is telling a story. In moving forward, ask yourself, how will the story of my life be told? This step I am taking, how is it influencing and impacting the story of my life? Start with the end in mind. Start with the end in mind. What story do I want told of my life? You know, I've, I've shared with you before and ch- I've challenged everybody at some point. Write your own epitaph. I've written my epitaph. The epitaph is what they put on your, on your grave, on your tombstone. If Jesus dies, I have my epitaph. I've shared with you before, so I don't need to say it again. What's your epitaph? What is that story of your life? Now, the question is, what story am I telling? As I move forward, you need to decide beforehand to leave a story worth telling. To leave a story that maybe the next generation will say, oh, there was a man that lived on earth whose name was, put your name. There was a woman that walked this path whose name was. One thing I love about the Bible is that the Bible is brutally truthful about the stories of people's lives. Brutally truthful. No matter how much God loved those people, God still told the story of their life as it was. Abraham, God's friend, Slept with house girl written in the Bible. I'm like, ah God, this guy is your pagina. Can't you just remove this thing from the Bible? <laughs> you know, it was there. The story of your life, the steps you are taking are determining the story of your life, and heaven is inking it. You can't erase it. So you need to ask yourself. I look at the story of Isaac. I look at the story of Israel. Israel. <laughs> he likes going to the corner and sleeping with prostitutes. Do you know that? Look at the story of Rahab. I'm like, God, couldn't you just to make that, you know, did Rahab was great, great, great grandmother of, 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 of David, which was in line with Jesus. Can't you just, I mean, remove the fact that she was a prostitute? so that Jesus can have some clean lineage. You know, I was sharing that in in Tribe, we are starting a new series on Wednesday. You know, when we study the Bible and study Bible characters, we usually study the men of the Bible and the the good things they've done and even the bad things that we learn from them. But this time, we are going to be studying the Bad Girls of the Bible from Wednesday. You know, I've been getting a lot of people have been tweeting me and texting me with different ideas of what the message, what the title should be um, BGG, Bible Bad Girls. Someone said to me, no, Pastor, it should be God's Deadly Daughters. <laughs> you know, I've been getting all sorts of ideas. Keep them coming. We choose one of them. I will go with them. Rehab was, God was, is brutally truthful. David, the man after God's hand, God was brutally truthful in telling the story of David, and Bathsheba, the rich young man. Jesus loved that man. But Jesus still said, the man chose money rather than eternity. Obviously went to hell. I mean, no matter how much God loved them, God told the story as it was. Every step you take, listen to this. Every step you take becomes a permanent part of the story of your life. As you move forward, because you are moving forward, every step you take becomes what? A permanent part of the story of your life. So be careful the step you are taking. People take steps because they think they want to, um, I want to get at my father. Your father did something that hurt you, you like, like Esau. You are taking steps because you want to get at your father. Foolish step. You know it's a foolish step, but you are taking it anyway. So people take steps because they want to get at their husbands. Have you seen people take foolish steps? They want to get at their husband. So people take foolish steps. Why? Because they want to get at their wife. I want to teach my wife a lesson. So I, 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 I take foolish steps. That is foolishness. Every step you take becomes a permanent part of the story of your life. You are writing a story step by step. So the question you need to wrestle with is, what story am I telling with my life? Is there a step I'm about to take that will ruin the story of my life? Is there a step I'm about to take that will ruin the story of my life? Is there a habit that God wants me to stop that does not align with the story of my life? Is there a habit that God wants me to stop? Or is there something that God wants me to start that will enhance the story of my life? Is there something that God wants me to start that will enhance the story of my life? Or is there something I need to be consistent with that will solidify the story of my life. Those are the questions you need to wrestle with under this big question. What story am I telling with my life? What story am I telling with my life? Question number four. Like I said, these questions, you need to take them home. You need to sit down and and what? Wrestle. Everybody say wrestle. Wrestle with these questions. As you wrestle with these questions, you'll be shocked at how much progress you will make. Because promotion does not come from the east or from the west. It comes from God. So question number one is what? Who do I need to forgive? Question number two is what? Is there someone I need to love from a distance? Question number three is what? Is what? What story am I telling in my life? Question number four is this. Am I taking action? Am I taking action? What Disney, the guy that, uh, Disney World guy, said, the way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. I mean, that sounds very simple, but unfortunately, a lot of people just talk. You've been talking about business ideas forever. When are you going to start You've been talking, talking, talking. When are you going to? When are you going to start? So the question you need to ask yourself to go forward is: Am I taking action? Am I taking action? You've been talking about that course, developing yourself forever. When are you going to do it? You've been talking about taking your wife out for for dinner. Oh God, when are you going to take action? Ha! Ah. Pastor, I started something to do. I see your wife. Are you here? That is the only ghost talking. That's not flesh and blood. <laughs> when are you going to take action? When are you going to take action? Every time it's tomorrow, Is tomorrow. No, 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 no. Now. Take action now. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so am I taking action? Is there a step of faith that God wants me to take? Is there a sacrifice that God wants me to make? Listen, every time God wants to take a, make a man great, he asks him to take a step of faith. Check the Bible every time. And sometimes, because God wants you to take a step of faith, he removes everything you think you have so that now you don't have anything. Yeah. Walk of water, Peter. Amazing God. Why? Because by the time he's done with the temple, by the time the glory of the latter house has surpassed the former, you will know that this can only be God. Praise the name of the Lord. So the question to you and I is what step of faith does God want me to take? James 2 from verse 14 it says what good is it dear brothers and sisters if you say you have faith but you don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. I prophesy to your stomach to be filled in Jesus' name. Is this, But then you don't give that person food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. And that's the problem with the church. Well, some churches, some of us Christians. Faith by itself is not enough. Unless it produces good deeds, unless it produces action, it is dead and useless. Faith by itself is Useless without action. Faith is what you profess. It starts by profession. But profession must match action for it to make sense. That's what the word of God says. In verse 21. It says, Don't you remember that our ancestor, Abraham, was shown to be right with God by his action. When he offered his son Isaac on the altar, he says, you see, his faith and his action did what? Worked together. His action made his faith Complete. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Unfortunately, I don't know, we are having a, a crop of Christians that say that all you need is faith. Just have, this is grace. You don't need to do anything. Just just believe in Jesus. Once you believe in Jesus, you can do anything you want to do. The blood of Jesus just cleanses you from all sins. Some preachers, they don't tell us clearly, categorically, but if you listen to them, that's what they are inferring. They say to us, there's nothing you can do that will make God love you less. While that is true, that is one side of the equation. It's not complete. So they give us the sense. So you have men, married men, they're sleeping with whoever they want to sleep with. And they say to me, Those are, they're my friends, you know. They say, Femo. Is grace? Ah, he said, "Let me, let me, one of them said, let me show you a new dispensation of grace." I'm like, are these people reading their Bibles upside down? You know, I was, I was, I was playing tennis. I mean, during the week and in the estate I live and. The guys there—very <laughs> interesting guys—we were talking, and <laughs> oh, do I have time for this story? Anyway, let me say it anyway. At the end of the, day, the game, um, the the um, the guy that I played with, which was the number two guy in the in the in the club. Ranking guy in the club, and so at the end of the game, we sat down, we're talking, and he said to me that, "Ah, pastor, you are playing like all those reverend fathers that never touch woman. Every ball, you just they run, they carry him, just run, they run, they carry him." So I said to him, "Well, I'm a man of one wife." Then everywhere had that awkward silence. (laughs) And one of them says, The only Jesus Christ. (laughs) The only Jesus Christ. We can trust. I say, Well, I can tell you that by the grace of God, they say, Hey, now you they put the grace of God. I can tell you that by the grace of God, 14 years I've only been with one wife. 13 years actually. And 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 they and they were saying that ah it's true that this thing that you are saying is true that. And they were telling me about themselves and their friends that when they are chasing huge contracts, they stay off babes. This is Pastor, for three months. As if that is a big deal. And and, and they say that, but God they always answer, the show. And I said to them that, listen, you know why God always comes through? You know, God, you us. He's showing you that that is the kind of life you should be living. And I said to them, imagine the traction, the, the how far you would have gone if you had stayed The pastor, that's not true, not true. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Verse 19. Verse 19 says, You say you have faith. For you believe that there is one God. It says good for you. Even the demons believe. This and they tremble in terror. He says, How foolish can't you see that faith without deeds is so God wants you to take action. He wants you to, to do what? To take action. Take action. Start that business. Some of us we need to start new creation reality. You've given your life to Jesus. You need to start that class. Some of us, you've been coming to God's favorite house for a long time. You consider yourself a member of God's favorite house. You need to do the journey. You need to take that spiritual step forward. Take action. Some of us, we need to start a life group. Some of us, we need to host a life group. Take action. Question number five. So, question number one is is what? Who do I need to forgive? Question number two? Question number three? What story am I telling? Question number four? Am I taking action? Question number five. Am I being true to myself? As you wrestle with these questions, you will go forward. As you, as you get answers and resolve these questions, you will go forward effortlessly. Am I being true to myself? One of the statements that was pivotal in really changing my life is, is, is unto yourself be true. If you will deceive everybody, which you shouldn't, but if if that were the case, but still tell yourself the truth. Tell yourself the truth. When you sit down by yourself, tell yourself the truth. Oh boy, this thing, this is how it is. Just tell yourself the truth. I mean, you hold it to yourself. Tell yourself the truth you move forward, you owe it to yourself you owe it to your children even those yet unborn, to tell yourself the truth why are you doing what you are doing why are you in that relationship why why do you want to marry that man or that woman tell yourself the truth tell yourself the truth just be truthful to yourself why are you buying that thing? Why are you buying it? Why are you buying it? Do you really need to buy it? Just tell yourself the truth. I am buying it because of long truth. That will make, you, that will make it right, but that will do yourself good. It will do your heart good. Tell yourself the truth. Tell yourself the truth. Why, why, why am I not tithing? And some of us, we don't tithe. Why are you not tithing? Tell yourself this truth. Stop blaming your last pastor. Stop blaming yes. The pastor did this. The pastor did that. Really. That's why you are not titan. Really. You will stand before Jesus and say that. Why are you not? Tell yourself the truth. It will help you. Why? Why am I not saved? Why are you not five? You've not surrendered your life to Jesus. Tell yourself the truth. Tell yourself the truth. Why am I not surrendering to Jesus? Tell yourself the truth. Tell yourself the truth. Ask yourself the, the hard questions Am I really born again? Am I really born again? The things I used to do, the places I used to go. The dresses I used to wear. Many. <laughs> There's a great change seeing somebody. Can you see that change? Be truthful to yourself. Am I really saved? I'm not saying you should announce it on the hilltop, but answer, your, answer it by yourself. Why? Why am I not treating my husband well? Be truthful to yourself. Why am I not treating my wife well? Be truthful to yourself. We need to wrestle with these questions. We need to wrestle with these questions. Who do I need to forgive? Is there someone I need to love from a distance? What story am I telling with my life? Am I taking action? Am I true to myself? Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. I want us to think about these questions. The truth is that you may be here. I am saying, Pastor, it's true. I can't really say I'm born again. But what can I do about that? you are saying, Pastor, it's true. I used to be saved, but right now, if I'm being truthful to myself, I can't say I'm with God. But what can I do about that, Pastor? I want to pray with you. In the privacy of your seat, you don't need to come forward. You're saying, Pastor, that is me. Pray with me. I want to pray with you wherever you're seated. And God will stretch forth his hands and breathe upon you. That is me. Put up your hand now, over your head. God bless you. Put up your hand, put up your hand well, well, over your head, over your head. God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. I can see that hand. Keep the hands up. God bless you. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, over there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. We will slip a card in your hand. Once you have the card, you can put down the hands and cry to God. I want to pray with you. Pastor, that is me. Keep the hands up. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. Right there, my brother. God bless you, my brother. Right in front. God bless you over there. That is me. Unto yourself be true. Unto yourself be true. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. Pray with me. The rest of us, maybe you need, to, you need to begin to wrestle with who you need to forgive. You need to wrestle with it. You need to wrestle with who you need to love from a distance. Talk to God. Pastor, that is me. Pray with me. Pray with me. I need to get it straight with God. Father, we thank you for your kindness towards us. Thank you for everyone that you have drawn to yourself today. We, we, we pray for everyone that is being truthful to their core, to themselves, and surrendering to you. We ask that you show them mercy, that you help them move forward. Cleanse them totally. We pray for everyone in this place, Lord. Everyone that needs to forgive, the grace to forgive effortlessly, give unto us. Everyone that needs to love from a distance, the wisdom that we need to execute, that give unto us. Oh, my Father, every action that we need to take, the grace to take the action, give unto us. The story we are telling with our lives, Lord, let it be the story that you have for us that we'll be true to ourselves. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen.